Hey, welcome home, everybody. You're watching Legacy Television. I'm Jeremy Pearsons. I'm coming to you again from the sanctuary of Legacy Church in Green Mountain Falls, Colorado. Take a look around. You can tell we're still under construction, but things are going well. God is helping us get all the way through this thing, and we have made miraculous progress. And uh, God is doing it, and He's doing it through the partners of our ministry. Many of you watching, I know you're partners with us. I want you to know we're praying for you every day. Sarah and I and our entire staff we are in agreement with you that our good God will do good things in your life and his faithfulness will give you a testimony. And I just want you to see how good he has been to us. You know, we're making excellent progress. We're in a 30,000 square foot facility, believing God for $100 a square foot. And we believe that enables us to get the work, the necessary work done inside and outside of the building so that we can get this thing opened up and begin to welcome families from our area and people from all over the world. And we're making awesome progress. We're up over 81% now complete. That's the goodness of God. I mean, we are on the home stretch of this thing now. And if he can get us this far, he can get us all the way. And the same thing is true about your life. You look back and look at how far God has brought you. And you say out loud, if he's got me this far, he can get me all the way to where you're going. Just steps of faith. That's how we got here. Steps of faith. Steps from Texas to Colorado, steps of faith, one right after the other. And you look up and in a very short amount of time, it's happening. It's unfolding around you. So if you want to be a part of this project, we invite you to go before the Lord. Find out if you've got an assignment with us in this. If you don't, then find out where you are assigned. You need to be partnered with somebody somewhere who's preaching Jesus. Seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and he'll add to you the things that you need. But if you've got an assignment with us in this, there's a number of ways you can get involved. You can text your offering, text LTV and any dollar amount to 28950. That's going to go into this project. And that's for those of you watching inside the United States. If you'd like to, you can give online at pearsonsministries.com or use the address that you see there on your screen. Father, we thank you so much for the giving of the people. We call them blessed and increased and multiplied today. In Jesus' name, we thank you. And as we come before your word, again, we believe we receive eyes that see, ears that hear, and hearts that understand. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's get into the word. Now you remember in the book of Luke chapter four, after Jesus had come up out of the waters of baptism, he went into the wilderness and he was there 40 days and 40 nights and he was tempted by Satan. And in response to every temptation, you remember what Jesus said? It is written, it is written, it is written. He responded to every temptation with the word of God. And the scripture says that Satan left him for a more opportune time. So Satan left him from that point, but he was always looking for another opportunity to tempt Jesus. And what we're seeing in scripture is another one of those opportunities. Because when Peter said to Jesus, far be it from you, Lord, these things will not happen to you. You look this up in some of the original language and really what Peter was saying was, Jesus, take it easy, pity yourself. Pity thyself is what the, the original language says. Have some self-pity here. This isn't going to happen to you. And whether Peter realized it or not, 
what Satan was using him to do was to pull Jesus' mind from being spiritually minded to being carnally minded. And the reason he was doing this, Peter was in essence saying to him, Jesus, what are you talking about being killed? What are you talking about being captured? You don't deserve that. You're good. You've never done anything wrong. And he was trying to get Jesus to focus back on himself. And this is a trap. I said, this is a trap. To be carnally minded is to be totally and absolutely consumed with self. How do I feel about this? Do I deserve what I'm going through? I deserve more than what I have. It's pulling the attention, the awareness, and the affection back onto self. What I see, what I feel. And it's Satan. I I wish there was a, a kinder, gentler way of saying it, but this is not an overreaction. This is the right response to recognize that as a trap from the devil. Because if Satan can get Jesus focused on himself, you know, Peter, maybe you are right. You know what? And I have done a good job here. I don't deserve to go through all that. there, There really, there shouldn't be any need for me to have to do that. And you know, this struggle is real. You know it was real for Jesus because just a few chapters from now, when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, moments before he goes to the cross, what's he crying out? My God, if there's any way this cup can pass from me, you know that this thing, this this struggle is real in him, that he is literally being tempted to walk away from what is the God-given assignment and call on his life, which is to pay for your sins and to pay for mine. But he's well aware of not just the, the, the physical brutality of it, not just the physical pain of it, but the separation from God that he's gonna have to endure. And this temptation is real to walk away from that. Why do you think he came back to the disciples there asleep in the garden and said, could you not watch and pray with me for one hour? He said, watch and pray that you don't enter in to temptation. Now, I used to read that for years thinking, yeah, guys, wake up. Wake up, you're being tempted, what? To sleep, to doze off. But he's not talking just to them about whatever temptation they might face. He's talking about the temptation that he was facing right there in that moment, the temptation. He said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. This is the difference here. What's he gonna set his mind on? The willingness of his spirit or the weakness of his flesh? Now, don't get mad at me because I'm telling you Jesus had the same weak flesh that you do, but that's what made him man. And he had the same choice to make that you and I have to make every day. Where will you set your mind? If you mind the things of the spirit, it'll be life. It'll be peace. If you mind the things of the flesh, it will be death. And he had a choice to make. He had a choice to make it right there in that moment. And you can see that this this tug of war has been going on in him now for a long time because when Peter gave voice to that and said, hey, 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 come on, man, pity thyself, Jesus. 
Come on, don't go through. That's not going to happen to you. You're wrong. Jesus had to respond to it in the way that he did. He had to turn his back on it. He literally turned his back. What does that represent? It means I'm not hearing this. It means I'm not acknowledging this. It means I'm not feeding on this. And that's why I said, get behind me, Satan, because you're not mindful of the things of God. You are only mindful of the things of men. That's why I said to, he turned to the rest of the disciples. So they're all seeing this. They're all watching this go down. And he said to them, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Let him deny himself. He said, and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Let me read that to you from the Weist translation of this scripture. I'll back up to verse 23. It says, and having turned around, he with his back turned to Peter and Satan said to Peter, be gone under my authority and keep on going behind me out of my sight, Satan. A stumbling block you are to me because you do not have a mind for the things of God, but for the things of men. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone is desiring to come after me, let him forget self. Let him forget self. Now hear me right now, church. This is not politically or culturally correct, but it is Christian. It is Christianity correct. Forget you. Forget self, forget own interests, forget the, 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 the living in this, merely in this sight and physical and natural realm. If you are going to follow Jesus, you will at some point have to forget self. He said, forget self. He said to his disciples, if anyone is desiring to come after me, let him forget self and lose sight of his own interests and let him pick up his cross and carry it and let him be taking the same road with me that I travel. For whoever is desiring to save his soul life shall ruin it. But whoever will pass a sentence of death upon his soul life for my sake shall find it. This is the way you and I are called to live. Not mindful of the things of the flesh, but mindful of the things of the spirit. To carry your cross means to recognize I have an assignment from God. I have a call of God on my life. Regardless of what I think, regardless of what I feel about it in the moment, I am willing to forget myself and pursue his plan and to take the same road that Jesus is taking. It's an interesting thought, but if you consider it living motivated by self-preservation can actually get you killed. Living motivated by whatever it takes to, to make me feel good, to make me feel right. There's no life in that. There's no peace 
in that. And this this living with a a, a motivation of self-preservation, what you end up doing is you end up projecting expectations on other people and you look to them as your source. Why? Because you're consumed with how you feel and how you don't feel and how you wish you did feel because you have not lost sight of self. It's just self on the mind and self-aware and self-attentive and self-affectionate. But this is to be carnally minded and this is death. It's death. It's the death of relationship. It's the death of fellowship. Because when you put expectation on other people like that, it doesn't make you fun or pleasant to be around. When you treat somebody else like they're God, they can't live up to that. They can't meet needs that only God is able to meet. But this is why you and I must change the way we think. We've got to go from carnally minded to spiritually minded. If we're spiritually minded, then we're aware not just of self and flesh, but we're aware God is spirit. And those who worship him, they have to worship him in spirit. The, 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 the outward demonstration of worship and all that, the physicality of it really doesn't mean anything at all unless it's coming out of the heart and the unseen part of you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Being too self-aware causes you to put expectations on other people, holding them responsible for your well-being. This is ungodly and it's a trap. It's a trap. So if Jesus' response to it was actually the appropriate response, get behind me, Satan, then that should be your response too. When you start thinking on these these totally self-aware, flesh-aware, feeling-aware, and when you find your mind hanging out there and camping on that, you, in the moment you wake up, you need to say out loud, wait a second, that's the devil. That's Satan. Get behind me, Satan. And absolutely rebuke it, refuse it, and turn your back on it. And refuse to put expectation on anyone or anything else to meet any need that you have. That expectation belongs on God and on his word. Thank you, Lord. So in the last couple of minutes we have here, let's answer this question. How do we change our minds from carnally minded to spiritually minded? How do we change? Because if it's life or death, I want to know. If it's worry or peace, I want to know. I want to know how to be a spiritually minded person. So how do we make this change from carnally minded to spiritually minded? Minding the things of the flesh, minding the things of the spirit. Let me tell you something. You can change your whole mentality in two words. You want to know what they are? I repent. I repent. And that's what the word repentance literally means. It means a change of mind. And when the word of God and the spirit of God uncover 
in your mind a way that you've been thinking that is way too me-minded, flesh-minded, how I feel-minded? When the word uncovers that, then the first thing out of your mouth needs to be, I repent, I change. Now, repentance, I believe, happens one of two ways. One, when you see it in the word and you recognize, okay, I've not been living this. This is different than the way I've been thinking. This is different than the way I've been feeling. You can repent far before you ever feel different about it. You can say, I repent before the, the mentality itself ever changes. You can repent by faith. You can, you can repent before you feel it. And you can say, Lord, I, I repent. I change my mind. I repent for allowing that me-mindedness to go on this long. I repent of that. I ask you to forgive me and I receive forgiveness. So that's one way repentance comes. That's one way we demonstrate it is just by faith way before you ever feel it. But the other way repentance occurs in our life is simply by feeding on the word of God. This is what the word of God has power to do. And when you feed on it, you feed on it, you feed on it, what are you doing? You are becoming more aware of this than what's natural and physical around you. To feed on the word is literally you demonstrating an awareness that there is a world outside of this physical, natural world, that there is a spirit realm. Why else would you be reading this? Why else would you be feeding on this? I mean, you could be reading anything. You could be watching or listening to anything. But if you're watching, watching, getting the word in your eyes, listening to it on an ongoing basis, time in the word, continuing in the word, like Jesus said, that's how you become my disciple, he said. When you do that, you are increasing your awareness of the spiritual world. And what that does is it goes to work in the way that you think. And you look up one day and you realize, you know what, I just don't think the same way I used to. Things that used to be important to me, things that used to be valuable to me, I've, I've changed my mind. I think differently about that now. How do we change our minds from being carnally minded to spiritually minded? Feed the spirit side of your life. Feed the spirit. If you have to, turn off some entertainment. If you have to, turn off some news because all of that is serving to reinforce old ways of thinking and start feeding the spirit side. How do we change our mind? You can change it in a hurry. I repent, Lord. I repent. And when that old thought comes up again, you turn your back on it and with the same authority Jesus spoke, you speak and you say, get behind me, Satan. I'm not moved and I'm not motivated by what I feel. I am not carnally minded. I am mindful of the things of God, which includes being mindful of his call and his will for your life, which is where we started all the way back in the book of Romans chapter 12, that when you renovate the way you think, then life transformation comes and you prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. But to even understand what his will is, it means you're gonna to have to have a change in the way you think. That's why Paul prayed for the church in Colossians and he said, I pray that you'd be filled with the knowledge of his will 
in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. In other words, you're going to have to think differently about this. You're going to have to come at this from a spiritual viewpoint. And honestly, this is why people don't get us. This is why people don't understand us. This is why we get mocked. This is why we get made fun of. Why? Because when a, when a virus hits planet Earth and a pandemic spreads, we think spiritually about it. Our first thought is not, what do I do naturally? Our first, not, our first thought is not to panic. Our first thought is not to fear because there's no answer in the, in the natural world. Our first thought is a spiritual thought. Lord, what does your word say about this? How do I respond to this? And this is why people don't understand us. And this is why we don't really get them because we value something that they have no frame of reference for. But our mind is on something else. And I, for one, am happy with it. Why? Because to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Come on, say thank you, Lord. Say thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you. Father, we worship you. We glorify you. Right now, I want you to do this. I want you to turn your awareness, your attention, and your affection to the things of the Spirit. The Spirit world is real. It is just as, if not more so, real than this natural, physical world we live in. And you need to increase your awareness of it. And you do that just by asking the Lord, help me, Father. Help me to be more aware of you. Now, when we talk about setting your mind on the things of the Spirit, I, I, I'm not, I don't mean to imply that you just walk around with your eyes like halfway rolled back in your head and praying in tongues all day and you never have a natural or a carnal thought. No, I, that, that's not possible. We live in a natural world. We have to do natural things. I noticed just here recently, I, I was walking the trash from the garage to the end of the driveway, which is a very natural thing, right? I mean, there's nothing spiritual about that. But I, I caught myself just in the steps from the, from the house to the end of the driveway. You know what I was thinking about? You. Now there's no connection between you and the trash. I'm not trying to say that. What I'm trying to say was I was thinking about our church. I was praying over, praying over this, over this message, over this time together. Here I am doing a very, very natural thing, but my mind is on something else. It's, it's, it's about having an increased awareness of the things of the Spirit. We can be more aware of the Spirit than we have been. How do we do that? We turn our attention. We attend to His words. Because the more aware you are of something, the more attention you give to it. And the more attention you give to it, the more affection you begin to show it. And I think about this in light of, of my relationship with my wife, Sarah. You know, whether we're together or we're apart, we've spent nearly every day of the last almost 13 years together. I am very, very aware of her. And that's what love is. That's what love does. That's how love acts and operates its awareness. 
I'm aware of her. I'm aware of her feelings. I'm aware of what she thinks. I'm aware of her presence. I'm aware of her when we're together and when we're not together. And my awareness of her causes me to turn my attention towards her. Same thing with my children, Justice and Jesse. Because I'm aware of them, I'm attentive. Attentive to their need, attentive to their desires, attentive to their feelings. And the more attention I show to them, the greater affection rises up in me for them. Well, they say you, you can apply that same thing to your relationship and your fellowship with God. Increase your awareness of Him. Increase your attention to His Word and your love and your affection for Him and for the things of the Spirit will grow. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.